Hi, this is Brad Constantine, and you've reached the Book of Mormon Lecture Series. I've been teaching seminary and institute for the last 11 years, and uh, this is an attempt to do a deep dive into the Book of Mormon itself. I'm hoping that you'll find this uplifting and edifying. This is not an official recording of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, but every attempt has been made to be as doctrinally accurate as possible. So if you're ready for a deep dive into the Book of Mormon, here we go. Hi, and welcome back to the Book of Mormon podcast. I'm Brad Constantine, and this discussion is going to be regarding 2 Nephi chapter 15, which is also Isaiah chapter 5. Now, this particular chapter is divided into two parts. Part 1 is verses 1 through 7, and is the song of the vineyard, and part 2, which is 8 through 30, the bitter crop that is produced. The song contains two parts, uh, 1, through so 1 through 6, the song, and then 7 is the interpretation. The Lord who planted the bride in a fertile hill and provided for her expected her to bring forth good seed or fruit, but instead she brought forth bad fruit, and so the bridegroom let her go to waste, reaping the natural consequences of her sowing. The song shows the great love and attention that the Lord has shown to the house of Israel throughout the ages, including in our own dispensation. All right, verse 1. And then will I sing to my well-beloved a song of my beloved, meaning Christ, touching his vineyard, or Israel. My well-beloved hath a vineyard in a very fruitful hill. I guess I should try to sing this, huh? And he fenced it, and gathered out the stones thereof, and planted it with the choicest vine, and built a tower, or set prophets, in the midst of it, and also made a winepress therein for a good harvest. And he looked that it should bring forth grapes, faithful people. And it brought forth wild grapes, which is apostasy. And now, O inhabitants of Jerusalem, the men of Judah, judge, I pray you, betwixt me and and my vineyard. I'll give you the facts, you be the judge, is what he's saying. Verse 4, what could have been done more to my vineyard that I have not done in it? The main question, wherefore, when I looked, or planned, that it should bring forth grapes, it brought forth wild grapes. And now, go to, I will tell you what I will do to my vineyard. I will take away the hedge, or the divine protection thereof, and it shall be eaten up, and I will break down the wall thereof, and it shall be trodden down. And I will lay it waste, it shall not be pruned nor digged, but there shall come up briars and thorns, in other words, false doctrines and behaviors. I will also command the clouds that they rain no, no rain upon it. The spirit withdraws, and no prophets, no revelation. Verse 7, For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel, and the men of Judah his pleasant plant. And he looked for judgment, and behold oppression, for righteousness, but behold a cry. In other words, riotous living occurred, a parable of the destruction and scattering of Israel or Judah. Verses 8 to 25 presents a series of six woes, all of which demonstrate the low spiritual state of certain groups. The first woe, 8 to 10, speaks out against the improper use of land. The second, 11 through 17, contains the prophetic word of the on the manner in which those of the world improperly, with evil intent, eat, drink, and make merry. The third, 18 to 19, is directed against those who are wicked and mock God and his divine plan. The fourth, verse 20, speaks against liars and those who fight against the things of God. The fifth, 21, deals with conceited individuals who believe themselves to be wise. And the sixth, 22 to 23, accuses those who give bribes and belittle the righteous. So with that uh, basic understanding, we can begin with the, the rest of the chapter here. Verse 8, Woe unto them that join house to house, that lay field to field, till there be no place 
that they may be placed alone in the midst of the earth. This was referring to building up great landed estates by oppressive means. This woe is pronounced on the wealthy landowners who covet and buy up property, thus depriving the poor of their heritage. Ownership of property is not condemned. The only question is how did the owner get it and to what use does he put it? So he's talking here about the oppression that people the people are using the land for. Verse 9, In mine ears, said the Lord of hosts, of a truth, many houses shall be desolate, even great and fair, without inhabitant. Yea, ten acres of vineyard shall yield one bath, or eight and a half gallons. And the seed of an homer, which is about six and a half bushels of seed, shall, shall yield an ephah, which is about a half a bushel. This shows how unproductive the land will become because of wickedness. So even though we may not understand the measurements here, he's trying to tell us that uh, the yield will be very poor. The King James Version states 10 acres, but the Hebrew reads 10 yoke, or the amount 10 yoke of oxen could plow in a day, which is equivalent to about five acres. So that's a little bit different translation there. Verse 11, the second woe. Woe unto them that rise up early in the morning, that they may follow strong drink, that continue until night and wine inflame them, and the harp and the vial or lyre and tabret or drum and pipe instruments associated with worship of the Lord and wine are in the in their feasts, but they regard not the work of the Lord, neither consider the operation of his hands. In other words, this is hypocritical worship. Therefore, my people are gone into captivity because they have no knowledge or revelation and their honorable men are famished and their multitude dried up with thirst. The prophet Joseph Smith said that the church must be cleansed and I proclaim against all iniquity. A man is saved no faster than he gets knowledge, for if he does not get knowledge, he will be brought into captivity by some evil power in the, in the other world, as evil spirits will have more knowledge and consequently more power than many, many men who are on the earth. Hence, it needs revelation to assist us and give us knowledge of the things of God. Verse 14, therefore hell hath enlarged herself, they had, to, they had to add on hell to make room for you, and opened her mouth without measure in riotous living, and their glory, and their multitude, and their pomp, and he that rejoiceth shall descend into it. And the mean, or poor man, shall be brought down, and the mighty man shall be humbled, and the eyes of the lofty shall be humbled. Everyone needs humbling. But the Lord of hosts shall be exalted in judgment, and God that is holy shall be sanctified in righteousness. The Lord will triumph. Then shall the lambs feed after their manner, and the waste places of the fat ones shall strangers eat. In other words, the destruction will be complete. Verse 18, third woe. Woe unto them that draw iniquity with cords of vanity and sin, as it were, with a cart rope. You are tethered to your sins, so you're wrapped up in your sins, that say, Let him make speed and hasten his work, that we may see it, and let the counsel of the Holy One of Israel draw nigh and come, that we may know it. It is up to God to prove to us that he exists. We don't. He doesn't show himself just because we want him to. Verse 20 is the fourth woe. Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil, that put darkness for light and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Verse 21 is the fifth woe. Woe unto, them, woe unto the wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. 22 is the sixth woe. Woe unto the mighty to drink wine and men of strength to mingle strong drink, which justify the wicked for reward or bribes and take away the righteousness of the righteous from him. In other words, deprive the innocent of their rights. Therefore, as the fire devoureth the stubble and the flame consumeth the chaff, 
their root shall be rottenness, no posterity in the next life, and their blossom shall go up as dust because they have cast away the law of the Lord of hosts and despised the word of the Holy One of Israel. Therefore is the anger of the Lord kindled against the, his people, and he hath stretched forth his hand against them and hath smitten them, and the hills did tremble, and their carcasses were torn in the midst of the, of the streets. For all this his anger is not turned away, but his hand is stretched out still. You can still repent. This uh, phrase here, he's going to use this a lot in the, as he's discussing uh, the, what, what the people are doing, and that yet uh, his hand is stretched out still. In other words, he still wants them to return, to repent. Um, he's trying to get them to come back. Um, and so I think that's very significant and hopeful that we can still repent. This section introduces two divine attributes or activities that will attract members to the house of Israel, to their gathering places or their lands of promise. God will hold up a flag or standard or ensign unto all the nations of the earth around which Israel may rally. And God will attract the attention of Israel through a hiss or a whistle. A third divine activity is listed in a later section of Isaiah. God will cause a trumpet to be blown, which will serve as a signal for the tribes to gather around the ensign. These three activities symbolize the manner by which the earth's inhabitants will be called to Zion in the latter days, after they accept the gospel of Jesus Christ. So that's what these following verses are about. Uh, verse 26, and he will lift, the Lord will play an active role in the restoration of the gospel in the latter days. So he will lift up an ensign, a flag or rallying point, the true gospel to the nations from far. America is far from Israel and will hiss or whistle or signal unto them from the end of the earth. And behold, they shall come with speed swiftly. <clears throat> Those that recognize the word of the Lord will readily accept it. And that's what we're seeing in the church today, that we have 16 million people that have already accepted None shall be weary nor stumble among them. None shall slumber nor sleep. Neither shall the girdle of their loins be loosed, nor the latchet of their shoes be broken. In other words, nothing will impede those who come to Zion. The saints will not be weary, stumble or sleep, and their loins will be girded. Their shoes will be latched, and their equipment and vehicles will be ready and prepared. Those who gather to Zion are compared to a strong and mighty lion in its prime, who roars, catches its prey, and carries it away with no fear. Verse 28, whose arrows are sharp and all their bows bent, their horses' hooves shall be counted like flint and their wheels like a whirlwind. This is the protection that God will provide to those who come to Zion. Verse 29, they're roaring like a lion. They shall roar like young lions. Yea, they shall roar and lay hold of the prey and shall carry it away safe and none shall deliver it. None will stop the gathering. None, nobody can withhold this work. No unhallowed hand can stop the work from progressing. Verse 30, and in that day they shall, they shall roar against them like the roaring of the sea. And if they look unto the land, the land of the wicked, behold darkness and sorrow, and the light is darkened in the heavens thereof. The spiritual light will not be found among the wicked. Elder DeGrand Richard said that Isaiah's prophecies of the restoration of the gospel would occur in the times when there are trains and airplanes. Although he couldn't name them by name, he certainly describes them. So when he talks about um, the, uh, let's see, back in verse uh, 28, uh, their horses' hooves shall be counted like flint and their wheels like a whirlwind. Uh, Elder de Grand Richards believed he was talking about planes and trains there. Interesting. I bear testimony of the truth of the gospel and that as we study these words of Isaiah that we can get a better understanding of the gathering and scattering of Israel and our part in it. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.
couple more chapters of Isaiah. Stay tuned. See you later. Bye.